About seven years ago, uh, generous All Soulsian uh, gave a gift to All Souls to create an icon for the cross that hangs here above the altar. When this uh, space had been redesigned and this cross created, it was intended to have an icon there, and we didn't have one yet, and so that space was kind of waiting. And uh, when this person offered this gift, it brought with it this amazing question, which was, what image would we uh, create of Jesus to behold? What aspect of the life of Christ did we want to have here in our space to encounter week after week after week? And so we prayed and we thought, and the image that resonated most deeply was actually an ancient image, and it was the image of the Good Shepherd. It's actually one of the uh, earliest depictions of the Christ. You'll find it in the catacombs in Rome, the places where in the first couple of centuries the Christians would come and worship and then bury their dead. And so on the walls of these catacombs, especially the catacomb of Priscilla, you'll find the Christ guiding the sheep. Our challenge was that uh, we searched and searched and searched, and we couldn't find anywhere a depiction of the icon of the Good Shepherd in the shape of a cross. There are a lot of them that are in the shape of a rectangle that you'll find uh, many of the icons are, but none that are in the shape of a cross. Providentially, when we set around to find an iconographer, somebody who would paint this or write this icon for us, our search eventually led us to the Reverend Paul Fromberg, who in addition to his day job as the rector or the priest with responsibility for St. Gregory of Nyssa Episcopal Church in San Francisco, he's also an amazing iconographer. And so we came to Paul with our challenge. We really wanted an icon of the Good Shepherd and for it to be in the shape of a cross. And so Paul spent a lot of time sketching, praying, researching, looking, praying. And eventually, he drew upon a shared tradition of St. Gregory's and of all souls, which is godly play. You see, in Godly Play, there's a story. It's the parable of the Good Shepherd. And in that story, Jerome Berryman draws on several of the themes of the Good Shepherd that we heard today. He draws on Psalm 23, which is why there are deep green pastures and clear, cool waters. He draws on Luke's chapter 15. And on John chapter 10. And like a, a godly play story, this parable is meant to draw us in. 
to have us enter into the story. And so what I'd like to do is spend some time with each of the characters of this story today to help us come close to the Good Shepherd. Let's start here with the sheep who are right next to Jesus. Now, uh, some people, when they look at this icon and they see these sheep, they say, well, they kind of look like goats. For Paul, it was really important to find the kind of sheep that you'd find in first century Palestine. So that's what those sheep looked like. Now, some people, when we come to this Sunday, where every year we talk about the Good Shepherd, they get, um, well, a little bit perturbed being um, in a metaphor where they might be sheep. And I understand why. Sheep are not known for being the smartest animals on the farm. But I think that actually when Jesus uses this metaphor... He's drawing on first an ancient metaphor that is used in many parts of Scripture, including Ezekiel, where, where God um, guides God's people as a shepherd. But even more than that, I, I think that Jesus brings sheep into this metaphor because they're vulnerable. This is something we don't often like to admit. Uh, but it's true of the human condition that we are vulnerable. That uh, sometimes we stray from the good green grass and the cool, clear waters. And sometimes we walk away from the protection of the flock. And so I wonder, who is vulnerable among us? Who are the people who are outside of the protection of the flock? Where are the places in your life? where you are yearning for the presence of the Good Shepherd. On the other side here of Jesus is the wolf. Now, the wolf in this parable is meant to stand in for those who prey upon the vulnerable. And there's something, if you look closely in this icon, there's something really important about the wolf, which is that unlike, um, say, Jesus or the sheep that are looking at us or looking around, the wolf only has eyes for the sheep. Like all predators, 
its gaze is fixed on one thing alone. Now I wish there were no wolf in this story. But I have the feeling that if there were no wolf in this story, then it would not be true to life. Because there are those who seek to prey on the vulnerable, who, uh, who wait for that moment to pounce, be they nations intent upon domination, or people who are waiting to see when a sheep will stray just too far away. Who are the wolves in our world? Who are the ones who wait for that moment when the sheep is vulnerable and that's when they move in? And here's where it gets a little uncomfortable. Uh, because this story and, and this um, icon have me wondering when are we the wolf? When are we, you and I, the ones who are, um, well, taking advantage of those who are more vulnerable than we are? When have we looked fixed of gaze upon the sheep. There's a, another character that is actually missing from the scene. And that's the, that's the ordinary shepherd. Now, uh, that's actually how the godly play story uh, refers to this character. Earlier, when Danny proclaimed the gospel, you heard John's gospel referred to it as the hired hand. I really like it that the godly play story refers to it as the ordinary shepherd. It feels, um, well, just so everyday, so ordinary, so real. So me. It's, uh, it's true that there are many times when, uh, when I see or I feel or I, I'm afraid that the wolf is near and I flee, leaving someone who's vulnerable, unprotected.
And I, and I wonder, for the ordinary shepherd, what is it that causes them to run away when danger comes? Is it because they're afraid for their own safety? Is it because they don't feel that those sheep really belong to them? Who are the people in your life who are ordinary shepherds? When were the times when someone left when you needed them to stay? Where are the places in your life when you've seen the wolf coming and you've left? Here is the good shepherd. You'll see, um, well, actually, one of the most important parts about this icon for me, and it's probably, well, I have so many favorite parts of this story, but this is one of my favorite parts, and, and it's how it has created the scene. Because you'll see where Jesus stands in this story, which is in between the danger and those who are vulnerable. This is what the Good Shepherd does. Right? It's, it's when uh, you'll see the, the 99 sheep, you know, that they're safely in the fold and there is one who has been lost. And the good shepherd leaves those sheep and searches and searches and searches until they find that sheep. And when they find that sheep, the good shepherd is so overjoyed that they pick the sheep up and carry it on their shoulders, rejoicing. This is what the Good Shepherd does. The Good Shepherd remains. Is there someone in your life who has acted in the stead of the Good Shepherd? Who faithfully remained? even when things were scary. Because as, as, um, as scared as I can get, when the wolf comes, 
and as sad as I can get. When the ordinary shepherd leaves, there's a part of me that has that just that fullness of joy. It's more than happiness. It's like that, that deep, real, true joy when someone stays. Are there places in your life when you have remained like the Good Shepherd? There are moments in the, the Gospels where... Um, it's clear that we're supposed to do things like Jesus does them. And there's moments where it's clear that Jesus is the Christ and that we are not. Like, I'm really, really clear that I am not the good shepherd. I have the sense that you might not be either. And so this week I've been like, oh gosh, well maybe... Maybe we're not supposed to be that good shepherd. And then, and then they, of course, uh, when they created this fourth Sunday of Easter, this good shepherd Sunday, they had to pair the gospel from John 10 with that reading from 1 John 3, where the author drawing on this text says that just as Jesus laid down his life that's the definition of love. It's for us to lay down our lives alongside others. It's actually why maybe one of the most important parts of this icon is that it is in the shape of a cross. Because the love that Jesus lived comes in a cruciform shape. And it is as radical this day as it was 2,000 years ago. And that came really clear to me this last week as I, I came across this quote that was in a, a magazine. And uh, it just stunned me. And I probably shouldn't have been stunned, but I was. And it also converted me again to try and walk the path of the Good Shepherd. And I'll read to you this quote so that I get it as it was written. And it goes like this. The decent know that they must become ruthless. They must become the stuff of nightmares. The good man must spare not a moment to train in both body and mind to become the monster that he may need to become in order to slay the monsters that prey upon the vulnerable. Now, um, 
clear to me that Jesus would agree that there are those who will prey upon the vulnerable. We must make no mistake about that. But the difference with Jesus is that he did not become the monster in order to slay the monster. Instead, he gave us a vision of this realm. An image for us to behold. That of a good shepherd and even of a lamb. Of a good shepherd who cares for us, who brings us to the deep green of the pasture and the cool, clear waters. A good shepherd who loves the sheep so much that he will lay down his life. That is what the good shepherd asks of us. That we, in love, might lay down our lives with each other. And the Good Shepherd has promised that when we do this, He will remain with us, alongside us, always.